Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus, and transform Hoxton. It's from Psalm 3. Lord, how many are my foes, how many rise up against me. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Good afternoon. <laughs> Um, my name's Andrew. I'm uh, sort of on the staff here. I'm an ordinand, so, which means I'm training to become a vicar. Um, so we're going to be continuing our look uh, at the letter of Ephesians, chapter 6, and the armour of God. Um, and our reading from, from Psalm 3, uh, as you just heard, speaks of the Lord as a shield uh, around me. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would take these words of mine and use them for your purposes. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds and spirit to your word, that we would hear your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've um, previously uh, at the service looked uh, at uh, the belt, the breastplate, uh, and the boots, um, that Paul talks about as the part of the, the armor of God. Um, and uh, this afternoon, we've come to the shield of faith. So um, I was just wondering, when you hear the word shield, what you might think of? If you want to... What do you think of when you hear the word shield? Protection, Protection. yeah. yeah. Anything else? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking of uh, Star Wars and the Jedi Force Field, um, or um, yeah. yes, well? sword. sword goes with the shield. Yes, true. Um, but a sword is more sort of offensive, isn't it? Something you use to attack with, whereas a shield is more defensive. Um, I sort of thought immediately of Captain America and his his little shield, his red red shield. <laughs> But it's defensive, it's, it's protective. Um, and when we read, um, so, so stepping back a bit, when we read um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we, we can't help but, but marvel at the, the breadth of um, his vision. Um, if you recall, he begins the letter by unfolding God's purposes from before creation began, from the very beginning um, and uh, he has a vision for the creation of a, of a single sort of human race 
through the death and resurrection of Christ, and ultimately to unite the whole church and the whole of the created order um, under Christ's headship. And he tells us that this divine plan is to create a, a new society where Jew and Gentile are on an entirely equal footing. In other words, everyone is included. The old days of, of division and um, discrimination are, are over. We all now share in the same promise. There is one God, the Father, who has one family, one Messiah, God's Son, one people, one spirit, one body. And because of what God has done through Christ in his death and resurrection and through the Spirit, we are enabled to live that kind of life. As Paul says, uh, a life that's worthy of our calling and fitting to our status as God's children in this new and reconciled society. Paul has said that we, we demonstrate this new kind of life, a life of, of true righteousness and holiness, he says, through being united in fellowship, but rejoicing in our diversity as people and diversity of our gifts and ministries that God has, has given to us. We put behind us our pre-conversion behavior. Now we pursue reconciliation and harmony rather than division uh, and aggression. It's a kind of life that's incredibly attractive. And Paul tells us that we can find it if we are in Christ, if we believe in him and faithfully seek to follow him. But then, in chapter 6, at the end of Ephesians, we come down to earth, as it were, with a bump. He tells us that we have opposition, that beneath the surface of our lives is an unseen a spiritual battle. Paul introduces us to the, to the devil, who he's sort of mentioned briefly in chapters 2 and chapter 4, and tells us that the devil has principalities and powers at his command that we're not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, against the, the world rulers of this present darkness, and that we mustn't underestimate our enemy, our spiritual enemy. And it seems from what Paul says that these spiritual uh, principalities and powers have three main characteristics. First, they are powerful. Second, they're wicked. And third, they're cunning. Now, Paul tells us very little about the devil because we don't need to know that kind of detail. That's, that's for God. That's God's business. We don't need to know why the devil exists or where he comes from, but we do need to know that he does exist and that he and his principalities and powers are opposed to us. What we need to know is how to overcome the devil's dastardly designs to thwart God's plan to create this new society. So where God, through Jesus Christ, breaks down the walls dividing us, dividing us through different races and cultures, the devil will do what he can to rebuild those walls by creating misunderstanding and distrust. Where God, through Jesus Christ, wants us to live together in harmony, the powers of hell will scatter seeds of discord and division. Where God, through Jesus Christ, wants us to live together in purity, the devil will tempt us to sin, to lust, to be greedy or tight-fisted or selfish or angry, etc., etc. And there'll be no truce 
or ceasefire in this battle until the end of history when Christ will return. It's only the power of God which raised Jesus Christ from the dead and enthroned him in the heavenly places and which has raised us from the death of sin and enthroned us with Christ, which can defend and deliver us from the might, the evil, and the deceit of the devil. The devil may be strong, but God is stronger. Paul says this, he says, we are to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, that we are to put on the the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that phrase, the whole armor of God, in the original language, means the the full armor of a, um, a heavily armed Roman soldier. And so the word which, which Paul uses here for shield in the original language um, doesn't refer to the small round shield like, like Captain America. Um, it refers to the, to the large um, oblong um, shield uh, which covered, um, if you're a normal height, unlike me, the whole body. Um, so I probably wouldn't have been a very good Roman soldier. <laughs> um, and it was a large um, shield. Um, it was uh, made of, of wood, two layers of wood glued together. It was then covered with linen um, and then covered with animal hide. And then round the edge, it was sealed um, with iron. So a really strong um, piece of, of armor. And it was specially designed to shield the Roman soldiers from um, volleys of, of arrows. Um, you might have seen them in films like Gladiator or whatever, where you know, they, they put them all together and they sort of turn, hold them over their heads and in front of them, and com- the soldiers are completely sort of underneath the, these shields. And so when these, uh, the enemy would sh- shoot volleys of arrows, um, they just bounce off. Um, and one of the things that the enemy would do would be to light, to, to put the arrows into pitch, light them, and then shoot them. So flaming, flaming arrows. And th- this is why Paul says that, that the purpose of the shield is to staunch the, uh, the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's the graphic image that his, his listeners uh, at the time would readily have understood. Um, Ephesus, uh, which is at the uh, eastern end of what we now know as Turkey, um, was uh, a major Roman city uh, at the time. In fact, it was the second most important city uh, after Rome uh, in the Roman Empire. So there would would have been plenty of Roman soldiers uh, around and about. And his his hearers would have have understood exactly uh, what he was referring to. But, but what, uh, in terms of the sort of the picture, but, but what are these arrows that Paul's referring to uh, for us as Christians? Well, I think they could be accusations that make us feel uh, false guilt, you know, reminding us of sins that we've brought before the Lord and, and sought forgiveness for, but which, for which we still have shame. Uh, the enemy is very good at reminding us of those things. Or maybe it could be unsought thoughts, sowing seeds of doubt. You know, did God? really say that? Uh, Or it might be prompts to be disobedient. You go on, do it. It doesn't matter if you lie or gossip or look at pornography or uh, inflate your expenses claim because no one will know. Or it may be thoughts of lust or a desire for revenge or um, pangs of fear. But the shield of faith 
when we lift it up and shelter under it, protects our hearts and our minds and our souls. For as Psalm 3 told us, God himself is a shield about us. For faith lays hold of the promises of God in times of doubt or tiredness or depression, when we feel weak and and vulnerable. And, And faith lays hold of the power of God in times when we're tempted to give up or cut corners. We see this um, in John Bunyan's famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress. The hero of the book is conveniently called Christian um, and is taunted by Apollyon, um, which is the name of the destroying angel in Revelation chapter 9. And Apollyon says to Christian, Here will I spill thy soul. And with that, Bunyan writes, he threw a flaming dart at Christian's breast, but Christian had a shield in his hand with which he caught it and so prevented the danger of that. When we face temptations, when we feel a stirring of of old arguments or thought patterns or grievances causing us to doubt that God will, will come through for us, we need to remember that we are in a battle. But God is on our side. All we have to do, as Paul says, is stand firm. We see Jesus using the shield of faith and standing firm during his temptation in the desert, where he accurately um, quotes scripture back at the devil um, to to challenge him and thwart him. Now, if we're to use the shield of faith effectively, we need to know the God whom we worship. We need to know his character, his overwhelming desire that we will prosper, and his unconditional love for us. So like Jesus, we need to know the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, so that we know the God who is revealed in those scriptures. And just going to the beginning of the letter of Ephesians, Paul prays this prayer. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We need to know who this God is that we worship. When we know that, when we trust in him, we can hold up that shield of faith. And as the collect said earlier, and as we sung, we can know the promises of God will stand firm and God will come through for us. Amen. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk for more information.